Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I'm Amelia Sullivan, and this is an APTA podcast. Physical therapist Scott McAfee has a passion for marketing, and he believes that our profession and its professionals have untapped potential when it comes to showing value and marketing ourselves. In a presentation at APTA's National Student Conclave in 2019, Scott and colleagues talked about discovering one's value as a professional, how to market yourself to an employer, and how knowing the basics of marketing and business can go far when it comes to patient and community interaction. Here's our conversation with Scott. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Uh, so first, let's have you introduce yourself to listeners. Yes. So my name is Scott Maxey. I am a physical therapist. I graduated uh, from USC in 2016, and I'm originally from Los Angeles, so I went to UCLA for undergrad. Uh, transferred my faith to the rival school of USC for PT school and uh, moved to Washington, D.C. about two years ago. So uh, in between graduating from USC and moving here, I uh, spent about two years in an orthopedic residency program in Southern California with Adventist Health and uh, decided to join uh, join forces with my two colleagues out here in D.C., Fred Gilbert and Josh D'Angelo, to start Movement X. So, Scott, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast because um, you spoke at National Student Conclave in 2019 and gave a presentation about uh, marketing and um, not only marketing as a concept, but self-marketing. So understanding and knowing your value and discovering um, things that you might bring to the table that, um, you know, might be valuable to your employer or your professional career. And you have a big passion um, for talking to physical therapists and students and PTAs and um, even prospective students about um, discovering uh, marketing and self-marketing. So uh, I want to jump right in and have you kind of tell us a little bit about how you believe someone can kind of tap into that. I love it. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, the, the basis of my passion for marketing really comes from a fundamental belief that I believe that marketing can solve a lot of the problems that the profession of physical therapy currently faces. Um, it, for me, my passion in marketing started back in PT school when I felt like there was a string of maybe a week to a month of uh, getting asked questions on exams or in class during case studies where all of the questions were prefaced with the phrase, a patient presents to you with blank, right? So, um, hey, a patient presents to you with low back pain. What do you do? A patient presents to you with hip pain. What do you do? I ultimately took a step back and I wondered, wait, where are these patients coming from? And how are they going to come back to me once our patient session is done? And the answer was business and marketing. You have to be able to know value proposition and marketing funnels and uh, different fundamentals with business in order to get your name out there so that patients can ultimately find you and schedule a session with you and then ultimately come back to complete their plan of care. So I knew that marketing and business were the answers, but that you couldn't necessarily learn that in school. So I decided to really start learning outside of the classroom on certain um, concepts within marketing, studying a lot of um, brands and businesses that I knew, 
and, and loved, such as Apple, such as Google, such as Nike, reading a ton of books on the subjects, um, and also leading, uh, listening to a lot of the leaders in our profession teaching this stuff. Paul Goff uh, was one of my really early mentors, Gene Chirac Broad, Ben Fung, all the guys at TuckDoc, uh, just amazing people who were pushing the boundary and the bar with this type of information and essentially making marketing less of a curse word within our profession. I think uh, a lot of people, when they hear the word selling to patients or marketing to patients, have a bit of a bad taste in their mouth. And I really think that the sooner we can get over that feeling and realize that the more we embrace it and the more that we can become skilled in those areas, the better we're going to be able to serve our patients, the more people that we're going to help the clear message and brand we can have as a profession. So that that's really, for me, what it comes down to. Okay, so am I hearing you say um, you need to be 100% on your physical therapy game, so clinician, uh, knowing your uh, clinical toolbox, and then also 100% marketer and um, kind of like business savvy? I think my take on it is you should definitely be a 100% amazing clinician all the time. <laughs> uh, that is a great start. And that you don't necessarily have to be a 100% amazing business uh, person or marketer in order to make a great change uh, for patient care. So uh, just by understanding some of the basic fundamentals of um, understanding your ideal patient uh, and outlining their customer experience and, and the patient experience, being able to uh, be aware of this larger marketing funnel and, and this experience that the um, patient in front of you is going through when they ultimately reach you. I think just understanding those basic fundamentals can make a drastic change in the way that you communicate with the patient in front of you. Um, it can definitely increase your level of empathy and understanding of what they're going through. Um, I think a lot of times when we lose track of that larger patient experience um, and we quite literally are blind to everything that leads up to somebody shaking your hand in that initial evaluation and everything after they shake your hand goodbye at the end of their initial evaluation, um, as soon as we can have a larger appreciation for that uh, patient experience, we're going to be better clinicians. And hopefully even just being aware of that and, and listening to this podcast uh, that creates this uh, new understanding and this new appreciation and, and maybe impacts the way that you talk with people. You know, maybe they had a rough time parking <laughs> that morning for an initial evaluation and that's why they're a little bit cranky or maybe – um, you know, they had a hard time scheduling and they waited three weeks for this appointment. Uh, the, the more that we can be aware of those um, patient experience factors, the better clinicians that we can be. So that's definitely what I believe. Start with an amazing, amazing uh, clinical background and understanding and skill set. And then from there, have these basic understandings of uh, business concepts and marketing concepts in order to empower yourself as a clinician. And now for a quick break. APTA is offering Virtual Next to provide outstanding continuing education at greatly reduced rates to support the PT community during the COVID-19 pandemic. Get 20 plus hours of programming for just $20 for members or $40 for non-members. Visit apta.org slash virtual next for more details. And now let's return to the show. 
that parking example is a is a really interesting one and um I'm not sure everyone kind of keeps that in the back of their mind on a daily basis. So that's an interesting one to point out. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about your presentation at National Student Conclave. So you and your colleagues, uh, you know, really focused on value and uh, leadership development and, you know, obviously marketing. And so one of the things that you said during your talk was um, before selling your value and trying to communicate your value, you must have value. Um, and, you know, not to say our listeners out there aren't valuable uh, in their own right, um, but speaking professionally and uh, in a marketing uh, kind of lens, uh, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Great question. Um, and yeah, I think it relates perfectly to what we were speaking about earlier and directly um, speaks to the importance of the presentation that we gave at NSC. Um, so yeah, when you graduate, I definitely believe that you are a, a good clinician, right? Um, but the fact of the matter is that a great and amazing employer that um, you're going to want to work at is not looking just for a good clinician. They're looking for exceptional clinicians. They're looking for awesome people uh, to fit into their culture. They're looking for amazing individuals who are going to help their ideal patients that they see at their clinic live better lives and move their bodies healthier. So the, at the end of the day, you have to, at that point, know yourself and make sure that you find a good fit with the employer that you're speaking with and so that you know the fundamental value that you can provide that clinic. So going through that three-part paradigm is what I specifically spoke to during our presentation. Um, number one, knowing yourself. Uh, and I believe Fred Gilbert um, spoke to this on the podcast in an earlier episode of, um, you know, having these experiences outside of the classroom in addition to the experience that you get within school uh, so that you do truly know what motivates you. You do truly know what you're very passionate about and you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses. Um, you also know your numbers. You know where you excel at and you're going to be able to bring that to the table um, when it comes down to a negotiation or interview with your potential employer. Um, there was a ton of research I did in regards to the second um, portion, Find the Fit, that I spoke to in the presentation. Um, there, there was a ton of research that I did around where I was applying to. I wanted to ask really good questions and uh, make sure that I knew that the places that I was applying to were going to be good fits for me and that I was going to apply or be able to apply my specific value and strengths in order to make that clinic better and ultimately goes back to the patient, help more patients um, get care there and, and live better, better, uh, better lives. So um, the third part that I spoke to was giving the value, right? And it, I think to your question, where can students build value um, in creative ways that are going to make themselves different and um, make themselves more exceptional uh, and more appealing to their ideal employers? You, There are so many different ways. I, I think um, there's simple things that new professionals now are going to have in terms of strength that uh, maybe some older individuals who have been running practices for a long time may not be very sharpened, uh, such as social media, um, such as 
blogging or website design, uh, even customer relationship management tools um, like HubSpot or Infusionsoft. If you have skills in those domains as a student or as a new professional, you're going to be able to step to that negotiation table um, as a very unique applicant with these uh, very unique skills and, and, um, and passions and knowledge that the clinic to which you're applying to can leverage to grow their um, presence in the community and, and help more patients um, at the end of the day. So there's other ways to being very sharp in uh, different analytics uh, within like the Google suite or digital advertising, um, accounting or financing. If you have background in that area, maybe you're a, a transition uh, career professional who has worked a previous job in these domains, you're going to be exceptionally uh, unique when it comes to applying for uh, for either your first job or maybe your second job and really be able to differentiate yourself as a as a new applicant. So there's tons of different ways to build value outside of being a great clinician, and the more and more we can look into these things, I think it's really going to elevate our profession as a whole. So another thing you guys mentioned in your presentation is that you believe there's two types of value. So the first being the type of value that your employer expects, uh, and then the second being what they don't. And so kind of like what you were just referencing is that a student might have some ability uh, that they might think is just kind of mundane, um, say they write a blog or they're very social media savvy, um, and those skills can translate into running a blog or social media for a clinic one day. Um, so I kind of want you to talk about that. And then um, if you could talk about more than just tech, right? Like, so, you know, something you mentioned were just like the human component, the human skills in your presentation. And, you know, using the example you said earlier about parking or um, realizing that it maybe took three weeks for this person to get this appointment. Um, so can you kind of expand on that a little bit? So another great thing that uh, my colleague Jim Hoyme presented in our presentation, which directly relates to what you're asking, um, is how can an employee really engage with their company in order to drive growth and in ways that don't necessarily involve technology, but that are ways that you can really give an exceptional amount of value to the, the uh, clinic that you're working at. So he divided it up into four different domains, um, into organization, role, team, and growth. But it really revolves around things like um, embracing the direction of the company. So really feeling like, hey, I'm going to really lean into this culture. Uh, you've identified that fit, right? You did your research leading up to this company as to, wow, these are people that I can really love to work with multiple hours a day for multiple days every week. Um, and striving to achieve expectations was, was another thing that he talked about. Uh, utilizing your strengths, having good relationships, creating opportunities to grow, seeking feedback to improve. These were the factors that I saw within my students as a clinical instructor who were really above average um, and really were able to integrate into the clinic at large. Um, I'm sure we can all relate to our clinical experiences as students where we maybe had a certain clinical experience where we felt we were a good fit for the clinic and we 
were there, but that once we left, maybe they didn't really remember us, right? And maybe if we were to visit six months later, they wouldn't really remember our name or what we did there, where we went to school, where my exceptional students, um, you know, I still keep in contact with them. If they were to show up to the clinic that I used to work at as a resident, everybody would know their name. Even patients would remember their name and how they impacted them. And it's really about, in my opinion, embracing the culture of the organization that you work with and understanding how your strengths and your values can enhance the overall clinical experience, uh, being enthusiastic, being charismatic every single day at the clinic that you're working for. Okay, so we've talked a lot about value in discovering your value and, um, you know, understanding your value. Now let's talk about packaging it. So say you're at an interview or you're working in a clinic, how do you present to your employer or your colleagues, uh, you know, that said value that you referenced before? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, So in addition to your CV and your resume, um, you can definitely gather those patient testimonials. So one thing that we talked about in our presentation was how to uh, collect written recommendations from some of your previous clients that you treated in the clinic as a student or as a new professional um, and essentially compiling a list of ways that you have impacted people's lives. Um, I loved doing that. So the patients that I saw really good success with that I had a really close relationship with, I said, hey, is it okay if you were to write me a recommendation um, that I could just save for future employers or potentially use on social media or any kind of marketing efforts? Um, I really found like we uh, had some great success together, and your story would really help other people either find me uh, and, and also achieve better health with their lives if you were able to share that story with me. Like, would you be interested in that? And it's great to uh, kind of go out there and, and pose that question to your patients. And you'll find a lot of patients definitely are. Um, you'll also find some aren't, and that's fine. Um, you want to be very respectful of privacy, and there's a lot of regulations that you do need to follow with that. But that's a great thing to present to an employer is just a list of different testimonials like that. Um, and it can show, wow, this person goes above and beyond um, what their resume says. And now that I see their resume and CV in front of me and I see that their testimonials, I'm able to bridge that gap as to, wow, you know, this person utilizes their strengths in amazing ways to help patients. Uh, Another example, online portfolios and things like that. Let's say you are a blogger. You have a passion for writing articles, uh, for citing different evidence or doing different, um, you know, co-op pieces. Uh, I think there is tremendous um, value in presenting a little workbook um, to an employer. Maybe it's not articles, maybe it's website design, uh, graphic design, things like that, and saying, hey, here's an example of my work. Um, you're going to be able to hand that over to them and watch their face as they turn through this. You know, a picture is worth a thousand words, and you can definitely show more to them if your work is graphic uh, or is visual. So, That's another good way. And then also you want to make sure that you leave the interview um, with the person in front of you having a full understanding of how you're going to bring value in. So 
a lot of times that last question in an interview is, what questions do you have for me? Or is there anything else um, that you would like um, to say? A lot of people just don't say anything at all and say, no, thank you very much for the conversation. Have a good one. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully be in touch. That is your time to grill them with questions and, and make sure that you can find the fit of where you're applying to. Um, but more importantly, make sure that if there's anything that they missed and if there's anything that they didn't ask you, that's your opportunity to say, hey, you know, there was one other bit that we didn't really get to cover today that I find uh, is going to be very valuable to you guys. And I was hoping that we could spend maybe five minutes just talking about my previous experience in finance or my previous experience being an intern for a marketing agency, whatever uh, that value is that you have. Definitely make sure that you don't leave the negotiation or interview table having that left unsaid. So I'm fully aware this is a shameless plug for APCA, but um, do you believe that there's value in showing um, involvement opportunities? So does that demonstrate initiative that you were involved in APCA, that you're involved in a chapter or section or um, involved in your program or your community? Um, what kind of weight as far as value does that show? Absolutely. 100%. Um... I'm obviously very personally biased, but if I were to run a clinic, I would definitely look for involvement within our professional association um, as a very early and easy indicator of somebody's willingness to go beyond the classroom and go beyond their traditional um, and average responsibilities as a physical therapist. I think that um, regardless of um, whether or not you're a member of the APTA, and we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but um, you should be very passionate about driving positive growth and positive change within our profession. Um, and looking at something like their APTA involvement is a perfect and easy indicator for me, if uh, I were to own a clinic, to uh, look at that and say, wow, this person was involved, they were on a committee, they um, are a member of several different interest groups or sections and, uh, and things like that. So um, I think that's very, very important. Right. And like, really, it could be involvement in your program, in your community. It doesn't just have to be in your professional association. Um, I'm sure, you know, that really just demonstrates initiative, drive, uh, interest. Um, okay, so let's switch gears a little bit and go back to uh, just marketing in general, Scott. Um, so you talked uh, in your presentation about just the three things that you believe um, every PT or PTA professional should know about marketing. So can you talk about those a little bit? So yeah, I think the three main fundamentals that everybody should be aware of within a marketing realm are, number one, knowing your ideal patient. Number two, outlining their journey within this patient experience. And number three, being able to tell a story around that experience in order to relate with them and in order to help them uh, move along this this journey towards better health with you. So what I talked about in the presentation, knowing your ideal patient uh, is really the intersection of four different things. So if you can identify a population of people who, number one, need or want your help, number two, that you love working with, Number three, that have a means of paying you for it. And number four, that you are the best person to provide that care. 
the intersection of all four of those different characteristics is your ideal patient. And at the end of the day, I think PT can definitely help almost everyone, but that the more specific that we can be towards tailoring our message um, and our marketing and our treatment around our ideal patients in this way, that's going to make sure that the people who need our help the most, that we love working with, um, and that have the capability and infrastructure to work with us, that's our best interest for sure. Uh, and that's where we should be focusing the, prim- uh, the majority of our time and efforts. The second component, um, outlining their journey and their patient experience, for me, it was understanding the marketing funnel. So I don't know how many of the listeners may um, have previous experience or awareness of what a marketing funnel entails, but it's really this stepwise process of how a complete stranger can ultimately go through this journey to schedule an evaluation with you. So in order to have that, you need that person to be aware of you. They need to be, uh, they need to have maybe discovered you. Maybe that is uh, a blog article they read online. Maybe that is a social media advertisement. Maybe it was a comment that you left on a Twitter post that says, hey, I know that you were explaining that you had this really bad low back pain and that you've been through a lot and nobody has helped you. I think I can help you. Um, here's what I do and uh, here's how you can schedule with me. That is a that awareness stage of the marketing funnel. The next piece of the marketing funnel is interest. Um, it is a way for a patient to engage with you and learn more. This middle part of the funnel, I think, is where a lot of PTs um, get things wrong or don't focus on as much. Um, we say, hey, uh, yeah, I'm a PT in this area, and here's who I help all the time. Uh, here's how to get in touch with me. But there's no way for that person to go home that night really engage with their website, click through different buttons to learn more about their services, to read more about their testimonials on Yelp, um, and maybe see more, uh, read more blog posts from that clinician and what their specialties are. That engagement and that interest is something that if we can boost more of and get more content out there for our consumers to engage with, that's going to help drive growth as a profession for sure. And then the last part of the marketing funnel is that consideration stage. Um, it's really uh, that end stage of interest, and you need to be able to, at the right point in time, say, hey, this is how you schedule an evaluation with me. Either pick up the phone to call my clinic, um, use my scheduling system, whatever, send them the links and, and give them the tools that they need to make that jump from the interest and consideration into that actual scheduling of the evaluation. So that stepwise process and understanding of the marketing funnel for me was transformative and uh, can really help elevate our profession in terms of um, crafting this consistent story and outlining the patient experience. The last part, telling a story, this was something that I learned that I had mentioned in that um, Pixar Academy on the, the Khan Academy's online website. I loved being able to uh, learn how Pixar tells stories within their films. So it gave examples of Toy Story and Monsters, Inc. and Up on how this hero's journey um, is something that they tell in this, this character arc within all of their movies to leave their audiences with a lesson uh, or a moral 
uh, or a feeling at the end of their films. And it was just so much fun. And I think um, there are actually a surprising amount of parallels between a hero's journey within a Pixar film, <laughs> or really any film for that matter, and a hero's journey that our patients undertake. You know, um, to give an example of what that might look like in your um, clinical experience as a physical therapist, you have a patient uh, who has a problem or goal, who uh, is deeply emotionally driven and motivated to get out of this um, this knee pain that they've been experiencing because they can't walk with their wife um, in the hills behind their house uh, at the end of each day, which is what they love to do the most. And then finally, they meet a guide. They meet you as a clinician who is that empathetic expert who understands their problem um, and can give you a plan that deeply motivates you to take action. And, um, you know, there's stakes involved, right? There's challenges along the way. Um, you're, you're getting pushed beyond your comfort zone. You know, you're encouraging them as that guide, hey, go deeper into that squat, um, take that deeper lunge, push through that discomfort in the knee just a little bit, um, educate them on how they can take care of them, themselves, right? You're, you're helping them grow in this character arc. And at the end, you are avoiding the negative outcome of this, um, of these stakes, right? You're preserving their relationship. You're addressing their fears that, wow, I'm not going to be able to go walk with my wife in, in, and, and take these hikes that I love to do. I'm actually going to be able to do that. I'm going to be able to, even though I'm aging and I'm getting older, I overcame this knee pain. And this is my hero's story and my success at the end is, hey, here's a picture of me on top of this mountain behind my house with my wife, and I'm living my best life, right? This is this is me at my fullest. Those are the kinds of stories that we create and make happen every single day as physical therapists. And the better that we can be at, A, understanding that story framework, you can easily go and Google this, this framework uh, piece, either uh, – through Pixar, StoryBrand uh, with Donald Miller has a, a good example as well. If you can be aware of that, that's number one. And then number two, just being able to frame your communication with your patients in terms of that story um, is so transformative, right? In that initial evaluation, you can recognize what that deeper emotional problem is, um, saying, you know, I understand you're here for knee pain, but why is this important, right? Well, why um, why, can't, why is it important that you walk? Why is it important that you hike? You, you keep asking why five times to get to that root cause, that root motivator for somebody that at the end of the day, they want to be a better husband to their wife. Uh, and there's a, obviously a million different examples of what motivates people, but you need to find that specifically for each one of your patients. So anyway, that's a long-winded answer through those three applications, but um, the... Uh, that last piece of tell a story is something I get very, very passionate about and I believe can help a lot of people uh, better work with their patients. So, Scott, I always like to give uh, guests an opportunity to kind of give like final thoughts and words. Um, and I know you interacted with a lot of students at NSE right after your presentation. So anything that kind of stuck out for you um, as far as what you heard from students or um, you know, just comments from them related to your presentation, but then also too, you're a relatively new grad. Um, so do you have any, uh, words that you want to leave for our listeners? 
I would really want to leave everybody listening to this podcast with some underlying motivation and encouragement to continue to push yourself beyond your comfort zone because at the end of the day, that's really where the magic happens and that's really where you can learn so much about yourself and ultimately leave um, a good impact on on the world at large. Um, For me, a a big motivating factor behind moving to Washington, D.C. was um, the ability to do transformative work and grow beyond my comfort zone. I had lived my whole life in Los Angeles. I had a very strong network out there. And what better way than to disrupt that and really turn things on its head than to move to the East Coast, having known two people, and start a cash pay mobile practice myself um, to just from scratch, right? (laughs) That's a pretty big challenge. And uh, along that journey in terms of figuring it out, uh, getting mentorship along the way, working with amazing people, I learned so much. Um, I learned so much professionally. I learned so much um, personally, and I was just able to grow in different amazing ways that I think even, let's say, even if, um, you know, I have to move back to Los Angeles, I have to, you know, um, that this doesn't end up working out, that I have learned amazing things through this experience that uh, I can carry with me for the rest of my life. So um, whatever way that you might find uh, from a small scale, hey, this is in the short term how I can embrace discomfort. Maybe I'm going to send this email that I've been uh, uncomfortable about sending. Maybe I'm going to resolve an issue with somebody I've had for a long time. Maybe I'm going to uh, speak at this event that I was kind of nervous about speaking at. Um, if you can just lean into that discomfort on a short-term basis and then create that habit, of um, of growing and pushing yourself in the long term, that's going to pay off and that's going to teach you amazing things. And I think if we do that collectively as a profession, we're going to find things um, like being able to better craft our message, uh, growing our brand, growing our awareness to the public um, and helping people move better and live better. I, I really do believe that. Scott, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you, Amelia. It was great conversing with you. APJ podcasts like this one are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. I'm Amelia Sullivan. Thanks for listening.